0: For our second message today, we have a sermon from Mr. Steve Andrews entitled, A Sabbath of Return. Mr. Andrews. Do you think that there's ever a Sabbath or a holy day that God considers insignificant? That he decides to go out on vacation and leave, you know, for a period of time. Uh, We're human beings, and uh, sometimes it seems like coming or doing things that, uh, certain things are a chore for us. So we feel like we ought to take a vacation. We ought to not be there. It's not the way God works. From the very beginning, from the foundation of the earth, his plan is set, and he is on call 24-7, as they used to say, 365 days of the year, right up to the end. Right up to the end. It's interesting that this Sabbath is couched in between a time of great war, a tribulation, time of uh, trouble on the earth, and a time of great reconciliation, forgiveness of sins, the covering of sins, the Day of Atonement. And when you think about it, this day must have a great deal of significance towards that end, at that time, between that time when that war, that period of time called the Feast of Trumpets till that Day of Atonement, there is that interim in there. We're not sure how long that is, but there is a period of time in which God is doing something very, very important. He has set forth that there is judgment to be done but there also is a period of time in there in which he is merciful, loving, and calling right up to the end because he doesn't want to see anyone not make it into his kingdom. It is interesting that this um, Shabbat Shavu, or however you pronounce those. I'm not, I was going to write it in Hebrew, and then I thought, well, no, I'll just put it in there as a Sabbath of return. Because that's what the, 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 um, the Jews see this particular day. The, the word Sabbath means rest. A time of rest. It looks towards the millennium. That ultimate rest for all of mankind. It is a true time of rest. That's what God is looking forward and we ought to be looking forward to. And that word in the Old Testament, return, is 7725, and it can also mean repentance. God wants His people to come to Him. The call is out constantly for people And it's open to everyone now, but also, especially to his people Israel, to come to him. There's an interesting prophecy, and it's funny that you might think that this isn't a prophecy, but you read it and you realize Moses was speaking a prophecy of the future, of the time to come. In Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, just 10 verses here, I'm going to read Profound prophecy as God is calling out to his people to come, to return to him. And it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you shall call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, God knew (laughs) about His people in His heart. He wanted them to be different. No, He wants us to be different. He wants us to to live a righteous life. He wants us to be different. So whenever we read anything about the children of Israel, we should apply it to ourselves. He's reaching out to us. And shall return to the Lord your God, and shall obey his voice according to all that I commanded you this day, you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul, that then the Lord your God will turn your captivity and have compassion on you and will return and gather you from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If you will turn or return to the Lord, when everything got to that situation in their lives. They did. They returned to the Lord many times. And God, through His loving mercy for His people, would have compassion on them and would intervene in their life. And we're going to look forward into the future when He does this for the whole world. And if any of you, and if any of yours, be driven out of the outermost parts of heaven. From there will the Lord your God gather you, and and from there will he bring you. And it's an interesting set of words there. Today's modern society, there very well could be somebody somewhere out in the outermost parts of the heavens. I heard that several years ago from a minister, and I didn't, you know, that was back when we were barely off of the, (laughs) <laughs> you know, off the ground and today I look at it and I say you know we might have people on Mars by the time that Christ returns and there might have to be a gathering of those people out of that out of there who knows but no matter where they're at no matter who they are God will gather them to him and the Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed and you shall possess it And he will do good to you He will do you good And multiply you above your fathers And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart And the heart of your seed To love the Lord your God Boy, this is so important In the society that we live in today We have stony hearts The heart of your seed To love the Lord your God With all your heart, with all your soul and with, That you may live and the Lord your God will put all these curses upon your enemies, upon them that hate you, which persecute you. And you shall return and obey the voice of the Lord, and do His commandments, which I command you this day. And the Lord your God will make you plenteous in the work of your hand, in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your cattle, in the fruit of your land, for good, for, God, for, the, for the Lord will again rejoice over you for good, as He rejoiced over your fathers." God never gives up on his people. He never gives up. This prophecy is written for all to read and understand and to be encouraged. He says, If you shall hearken to the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in this book of the law, and if you turn to the Lord your God, if you turn, if you repent, because that's what that means. If you repent, change your ways, with all your heart, with all your soul, the Lord will take care of you. For this commandment, which com- commanded you this day, is not hidden from you, and neither is it far off. In that future time, there's going to be a period of time And God is going to make a call to all the earth. Now at that time, while these wars are going on, and while all this is happening on the earth, it may be a period of time when there's not a whole lot of communication available. We understand electromagnetic pulses and how that can interrupt all of everything on the earth. And if there's enough of that going on, we could be back in the dark ages we literally could be fighting with swords. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, I'm not trying to prophesy about that time. But I do know in Revelation, the 14th chapter, it does seem that the Word of God has needs to be gotten out and God makes sure that it gets out. Because He still wants there to be repentance. He still wants people to turn to Him and return to Him. He still loves His... Creation. He has not given up, even though we have sinned, horrible sins. And in fact, at this particular time, we will have come to such a situation in which we, we could destroy all life upon the face of the earth. God's not going to let that happen. He's going to intervene before that happens. But he will pour out his wrath because mankind has rejected God and has rejected his ways. I'm going to read the whole chapter here, at least 13 verses of it, because I want you to get a feel for what God is doing right here at this end. Because there's tribulation and things going on on the earth, but God says, Whoa, there's other things that need to be done. They looked, and lo, a lamb stood at the mount on the Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name writ in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, as a voice of many waters, and a voice of great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps, and they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty-four thousand which were uh, redeemed from the earth. They are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins, they are These are they which follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they were without fault before the throne of God. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to them that dwell upon the earth, to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Why in the world would God do that right before he pours out his vials of wrath? There is a merciful and loving heart. He knows he needs the judgment. The judgment will come. But maybe, maybe, someone will repent. Even if it's only one person. He's going to get the message out. He's going to send a powerful message through this angel. To all the earth and every nation, and they will hear it. And there will be a great rejection, but maybe, maybe there will some saying with a loud voice, "Fear God, give glory to Him for the hour His judgment has come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the foundations of water." And there followed another angel saying, "Babylon has fallen, has fallen that great city, because she had made her nation, made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication." And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of his holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. Powerful warnings. One right after another, this earth will know why. These judgments are coming. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of the Lord and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, "Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from hereafter. Yea, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. That they may rest. From their labors there is a those who will be called saints at that last minute at that last little time because of the calling because of that message they will hear Jesus had an interesting parable which I think ties in very very well with this is in Matthew the 20th chapter And think to yourself, at that end time, right at that end, while all of those plagues and different things are coming upon the earth, would you not want to see as many in the kingdom to come to that truth, to repent, to truly find that rest? Beginning of verse uh, 20, verse 1. He said, For the kingdom of heaven is like to a man. There's a householder which went out early in the morning to hire laborers in the vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, Go you also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way again. He went out about the sixth hour and did likewise. In the timeline that we have in the world, when Jesus became and was at the right hand of the Father after the resurrection, from that time to this time, how many have been hired down through the ages? Because that's what we're talking about. God went out and he called us to labor down through the ages. He called some to labor for many, many years to go through great tribulations and great tortures. His apostles, Jesus' disciples, I mean, they died horrible deaths. Many men down through the ages have sacrificed everything for this word. And at the end, there may be a few that repent right at the end and are called and they repent right at the end. And about the 11th hour, let's continue in verse 6. About the 11th hour he went out and he found others standing idle and says to them, why stand you here on day idle? They say to him, Because no man has hired us. He says to them, Go you also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall you receive. So when the evening was come, the Lord of the vineyard says to his servants, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning with the last to the first. Beginning with those last ones to the first one. And when they came that were hired at the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. And when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. Salvation is the same for all humanity. God holds it out. The reward may be different, but salvation is the same for all of humanity. We will all be, you know, if we heed that calling, we're going to be in the kingdom. If we... Repent. If we turn to God, we will receive our reward. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These have wrought, but at one hour you have made them equal to us, which have borne the burden of the heat of the day. But he answered them, he answered one of them and said, "Friend, I, I do you no wrong. Did not you agree with me for a penny? Take that as yours. Go your way. I will give to this last even as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with my own? Is your eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. It's a tremendous look at the way that we should look at the, those who come into the, to the way. I know that we're, you know, some spend a long time searching out the word of God before they come to this realization that this is the right way. That the Sabbath is the right, and the holy days are right. And they spend a long time in their life, but They come. And others reject it. We know that. But some people come towards the end of their life. And I had an experience about that. And I've shared that with some of you. and And I think it's very important to understand the mercy that God has. That he is not willing, especially if the person has the right heart, to let them not be in his kingdom. And I won't explain all of it, but there was a man who I didn't realize was dying from cancer. And he'd been coming to a Bible study. And he finally asked for baptism. And I, I went. I baptized. And because the man was ready. <laughs> it was obvious. He was, he was ready. I mean, his, you could tell from, his, from his, everything about him. He was ready. For God to cleanse him, to to give him the kingdom, to to be in the kingdom. He was ready. But I didn't understand anything. Because he didn't say a word about what the problem was. Until about six months later when his children called me. And told me that that he had passed away. Because the man had cancer. And he was dying he was dying and he did not want to die without baptism and the laying on of hands and that hope that comes from that. One thing that I did find out from his children was that his life had been not very good. He had spent a very long time as a very um, you know, not, a, not a real bad man but not a very good man either. He didn't treat his wife or his children. He had been divorced and all those things very well. But in the last few years, in those last few years, the man had changed and they saw it and they understood that change. And that's what we're talking about here. No matter how long, no matter how long, we should be joyous when someone repents and comes into this way of life. We should be so very happy at the end that there are going to be multitudes who are going to fall on their knees and they're going to say, Save me, Lord. Save me from this. Because I see what's going on. And I want to be in your kingdom. It's so very important that we understand how precious each and every soul is that comes to God. Like I say... Every Sabbath is important, but every day is important to God. Seeing that calling going out and people changing their lives. Sometimes it seems like a long watch, doesn't it? We've got to understand that God lives a very long time. Second Peter. Let me find 2 Peter. The third chapter. Everybody's very familiar with it. But it's interesting that Peter wants us not to be ignorant of what he's saying. He says, Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. God lives a very long time. I calculated at one time at 70 years. We get about 10 minutes of God's time. So you better make the best of it, because <laughs> you, you've only got ten minutes. <clears throat> the Lord is not slack. Like I said, he's on call. He's there all the time. He's working. Jesus says, God works, you know, the Father works, I work. I don't, I don't take a vacation. I don't vote present. I'm here all the time. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what it all boils down to, brethren. That all should come to uh, to repentance. And I'm not going to read that. I was going to read that, but I think I'll pass on that one, the little few verses there. Let's go to Mark, the the <clears throat> Mark the, uh, first chapter. How, is, how are we, what's the word I want to use? I wrote it down, but I knew I wasn't writing it the way I wanted to say it. <laughs> I do that sometimes, I'll write something up there and it doesn't sound like it's going to come out very well when I say it. Our own s- Sabbath of return. How are we doing? How are we up, uh, coming to God and, and in our own life? How are we approaching God? How are we using that ten minutes that we have? That's the I- important thing that I want to talk about here a little bit. Our own life of repentance. Jesus and Mark, the... F- the uh, First chapter. It's the first thing that it came out of his mouth, wasn't it? When he began to preach. And he said in verse 15, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. I mean, that was a long time ago, brother. When he was walking this earth, that was a long time ago. But there was a plan. There was an important plan that that God was working out. With all of humanity. The call was going out constantly. Bringing many sons into this kingdom. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Return to God and believe the gospel. And if you don't know God, repent and learn about God. Luke the 13th chapter. Jesus makes these interesting points. There there were present at the season some that told him of, of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Suppose you that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? Oh, this is horrible. And Jesus, you know, He had an answer. I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. If someone refuses to repent, they will perish forever. That's what the Bible teaches. Or those 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think you that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. I thought that was... Because we we see ourselves as sons of God, and we are. But sometimes we get lost in our own ways, in our own... Uh, things that we do, and we forget that God wants our presence. He especially wants our presence on His days, and He likes for our presence on a daily basis. He likes for us to think about Him. He likes for us to praise Him and honor Him. We are His children, and He has called us out of this world to be in His kingdom. In Romans, the first chapter, we're very familiar with Romans, the first chapter. Let's see what Paul's message is. Paul's message is quite profound. We all know this. We've, some of us have uh, read it over and over again from the pulpit. But it's important in this day and age. Because with all the things that are going on in the world, how involved are we getting, or how in much are we allowing ourselves to get involved so that we are being influenced by the things that are in the world? It is a very serious thing to get so involved in the world that it takes us away from this way. Paul saw this and wrote about it. And I remember when I was first in the church, you know, I kind of put it back in, how you do, you put these things back in the back of your mind, (laughs) you put them back in your back of your mind because um, it doesn't seem to click at that time. But one of the ministers was talking about the sixth man. I don't know if any of you uh, remember the book and remember what the, uh, the ministry was talking about, but the sixth man at that time was how many potential homosexuals there were out there. Well, we know that's different today, don't we? It seems to have blossomed a lot. And even if it hasn't blossomed a lot, they have a lot more power through the, you know, political power it says, you read the top of it, Wherefore God gave them up to, be, to uncleanness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than Creator, who is blessed forever and ever. That's 24 and 25. For this cause God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use of, their, of which is against nature. Likewise also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in lust one towards another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which is not convenient. And it's interesting how even some religious people have come to, the, to their aid and said that this is all right. The Bible doesn't condemn it, even though throughout the whole Bible there seems to be condemnation everywhere in the Bible. We're living in a very serious time today. I was going to bring it up, and I forgot to bring it up, but that's okay. I can remember what was there. We're, we're Christians who have their own business and refuse to serve those particular people that I was just talking about can can either cave in to their faith give up on that or they can shut their business down it's already happening people who run floral shops christians who run floral shops christians who run bakeries they can get lawsuits now and that to the point where they can't operate anymore, and they just shut the doors. It's going to get difficult for all Christians. If we stand up for what we believe, if we stand up for what's in this Bible, we will have trouble. We will have trouble. I used to never, I, I, I used to never understood how a whole nation such as Sodom and Gomorrah could come to such a position where only one man sitting out in front of that, those cities... Was the only righteous man there It was hard for me to understand that years ago. I just couldn 't comprehend everyone going that way. but can you see what 's happening in the world i 'm not just talking about our nation, although we 're kind of the last bastion as a bit of caving into it, but the whole world, if you read the news, you realize that they're being brainwashed all over the world to accept this, except maybe in some places in the world they're still rejecting it. Russia, for instance. Interesting, a communist country like that. It's sad, isn't it? Truly is sad. And then he goes on Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetous malicious Full of envy Murder, debate, deceit, malignity Whisperers, backbiters Haters of gods Boy, you know the atheists have become More and more vocal Every time I read that I say Wow, these guys are really vocal I never used to think that haters of God Would get so much uh, time But they do now Spiteful, proud, boasters Inventors of, of evil things Disobedient to parents Without understanding, covenant breakers Brethren, when we, when we sign a covenant, we should not be covenant breakers. We should look at God and realize He is a covenant keeper. And if we are His children, we should keep covenant. And especially in marriage. And you know, I know it's difficult sometimes, but natu- without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, the way which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Therefore, you are, in, are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are that judges. Now, you know, it's interesting, they can probably twist this a little bit, but you have to read the context. For wherein you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you that judge do the same thing. So here we understand that it's like the policeman that was just arrested. <laughs> He's supposed to be upholding the same law that he was breaking. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I won't go into it. But he was supposed to be upholding a law, and he was breaking that law, and they caught him. They caught him. So, if you who are judging others are breaking these laws that he was talking about, You know, backbiters, haters of God, spiteful, proud, boasters, all of those things. You better keep your mouth shut. And you better repent. That's what it's saying. It's time for you to come to God and ask for forgiveness and repent. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thank you this, O man, that judges them which do such things and does not the same, that you shall escape the judgment of God. Or despise you the riches of his goodness and the forbearance of his long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance. The more we get close to God, the more we understand that he loves his creation, that he loves us. And we become more and more like him and we repent of our problems and our sins because we know we have them. We know sometimes we struggle with them we need to be more like God not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance but after your hardness and impertinent heart treasure up to yourselves wrath against the day of wrath and revelation and the end of the righteous judgment of God who will render every man according to his deeds to them who by patient continuance and well doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that does evil of the Jew first and of the Gentile. And then he goes on to say, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that works good to the Jew first and to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. Amen, brethren. Amen. What is it that we're living for? Why do we come here? Why are we listening to messages? Why do we sing songs that praise God? You know, why are, what's, what's in it for us? What are, we, what are we looking for? It's interesting that there was a man who walked this earth who was called by God. And he was a very faithful and righteous man he wasn't perfect the bible tells us that but he walked the earth he had lots of riches but he didn't have a home he walked the earth without ever having received the full promises but he looked forward to them he looked forward to them in hebrew the eleventh chapter beginning of verse, verse eight by faith Abraham when he was called out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance obeyed and went out not knowing where he went by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob the heirs of him the same of the same promise and by the way we're dwelling in tabernacles aren't we temporary dwellings and we're going to be keeping the The Feast of Temporary Dwellings We look forward to it All of us do For he looked for a city Which has foundations Whose builder and maker is God That's what we're living for That's why we're here That's why we enjoy the songs About the kingdom of God That's why we look forward To being with one another Of like minds I work with people That know about what I do and, And they don't care but you care because you're here. You keep these days because you believe. You have faith that God has something for you. The kingdom of God is waiting for you. And whether you live until you're 100 or whether you die tonight, if you have God's Holy Spirit, you have the kingdom of God. You have the promises that are in this book. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even as one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky and the multitude and the sand which is by the seashore, innumerable. It says, These all died in faith. They all died in faith, not having received the promises. But having seen them afar, off, and are persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. We are. We walk this earth. We're physical human beings. We have no permanence. Without God, we are dead meat, eventually. Six foot under and back into the earth. But with God, we have a promise of the kingdom of God, a home on this earth that's so beautiful, it's almost indescribable. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly that they had been mindful of that country from where they had come out, they might have opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly, where God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a wonderful and beautiful and most spectacular and gorgeous, and a few other words that probably aren't their city that we will all live in and walk in and enjoy God's presence and the Lamb and all that He has planned for us in the kingdom of God. Let us remember, brethren, God holds out for us and for all of humanity a Sabbath of return, a Sabbath of repentance. And especially at that last, that last time, that last section of time, he holds out that period of time and when more, he wants all who can come to come to to his, into his kingdom. He wants you and I to want as many as will come into his kingdom. He wants you and I to desire all that would come into his kingdom and be a, Sons and daughters in that kingdom. He wants us to look forward to that day when we're there. When we have that Sabbath of rest. And when we have returned to God. And we are all together in one. I look forward to that. I hope you all look forward to it. I won't have a speaking time coming up. So I thought maybe I would share my... Yearly thing that I always share with those that are going to travel at the other feast sites. I thought that um, years ago, I always read that it was uh, only the Levites that did this, but then I got to thinking, no, we need to read it more often, even take it personally ourselves, and realize that God does bless us. So as we are preparing for the feast, and we're preparing for the Day of Atonement, when we fast, and we're preparing to go to the feast, remember, it's a time of, of rejoicing. It's a time for the family. It's also a time, brethren, for learning about God, learning about His kingdom, learning about the coming time when He will set up His kingdom on this earth. The Feast of Tabernacles is, is so wonderful and so encouraging for every one of us that, that attend and go there. So in, in um, Hebrew in Numbers, the 6th chapter, 24, he said in verse 22, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his son, saying, On this wise you shall bless the children of Israel, saying to them. Now we are the children of God. It says so in the Bible. So why shouldn't we have this blessing? He says, The Lord bless you and keep you. Well, I tell you what, I need the Lord's blessing. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Brother, we need peace in this day and age, a day and age of, of uncertainty. We need the peace of the Lord in our hearts and certain that we will be in the kingdom of God. And it's interesting, I never did used to read this last verse, but I, I was reading over it and I got to thinking, His name is on us, and they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Your name is. His name is upon you. If you have God's Holy Spirit and he calls you his son, his name is upon you. And he looked forward to you and me being in his kingdom on that day.